podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Wednesday the 21st of April and we're brought to you by LibertyShield.com, our presenting sponsor. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access American Netflix, things like that, keeps your data safe online. Check out LibertyShield.com, use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And, of course, we are brought to you by eplindex.com. Check out the eplindex.com for quality writing on the Premier League, as well as our podcasts, be it the Tad Predictable podcast with Tadiwa, the EPL Roundtable podcast with Kevin DeVries, or our championship podcast, eplindex.com. Right, folks. Stuff happened yesterday. Uh, we're going to start with the game, a game I don't think anybody really realised took place. Chelsea nil, Brighton nil. Um, background noise for the most part. Decent game of football. Evenly balanced. Chelsea had the better chances. Brighton had more chances. I thought a draw was probably the fair result. Chelsea dominated the ball as they want to do, but looked, as they have in many games under Tuchel, uh, blunt in attack. I really do like the idea of Havertz as that false nine, but I think you've got to get Werner in the team with him to give them that goal threat. I think Werner off the left, Pulisic off the right, Havertz through the middle has to be the way for Chelsea. I liked Mason Mountain midfield yesterday. I've been calling for that. I think that is a position where he can thrive. Get the right partner next to him. I think that works. For Brighton, I mean... Interesting formation, 3-1-4-2, little bit of a tactical shift, worked well for them. Great to see Adam Webster back in the starting eleven. Good to see Alexis McAllister getting a start. I, I thought Brighton played well. I thought they defended very well, which is you know not normally the case for certain players in that team. Ben White in particular, I thought, had a very good game defensively. Did get sent off for a second bookable offence. But I thought he defended very well. I thought Webster brushed off the rust quite quickly and looked good on his comeback. Like I say, overall, I think it draw a fair result. Chelsea go fourth on goal difference ahead of West Ham. They play each other next. That's a huge game. Then we've got, at the moment, it's meant to be Real Madrid versus Chelsea. We'll see if that happens in the Champions League semi-final. Otherwise, in the league, they have Fulham at home, Man City away, Arsenal at home, Leicester at home. Then they play Leicester in the FA Cup. Now, at the moment, those games are slated to, to, to both take place, I think, on the 15th of May. The Premier League game is scheduled to kick off at 3 p.m. 
the FA Cup final is scheduled to kick off at 5.30. I assume they're going to change it and not make them play uh, play each other twice in one day. But you never know. Maybe combine the games. Whoever wins also gets the three points as well as the FA Cup. Their final game is away to Aston Villa. It's a difficult run in. You'd, you'd, you'd fancy them to get top four. You would. Just with the quality they have, with the manager they have, you would fancy them to, to get top four. Um and if Tuchel can get top four and say win the FA Cup, even with what he's done in the Champions League so far, that's I mean that makes it worthwhile for removing Lampard and bringing him in. It shows the potential that was in that squad that just wasn't been recognised under Frank. Uh, for Brighton, they are now sixteenth, uh, one point ahead of Burnley. They have Sheffield United away next. That's a game they have to win. Then they get Leeds at home. Then they're at Wolves, at home to West Ham, at home to Man City, and away to Arsenal. So again, difficult run-in, but a couple of winnable games. They probably don't need too many points to be safe, but they will need to tot up a few more. They're seven points clear of Fulham. They do have a game in hand on Fulham, which is massive. I think if they beat Sheffield United, they're pretty much safe. Um, Yeah, so that's the Premier League action from last night. Uh, All very exciting. Uh, Tonight... We have Tottenham against Southampton. That's a 6 p.m. kickoff. Tottenham, obviously, in a similar boat to the rest of the big six. Um, Note that Chelsea didn't get nearly as much hate as Liverpool did because of what happened yesterday. Very, very strange. Uh, Also, Aston Villa against Manchester City. That's an 8.15 kickoff. That should be a good game of football. So looking forward to that one. Right. So... Yesterday, as I was doing this podcast, there was rumours floating around that certain teams are starting to waver on the the Super League. Certain teams were getting more dug in on their position. Then nobody was leaving. Then everybody was leaving. And then they all started to leave. So Chelsea were the first one rumoured, but I believe Manchester City were the first ones to actually withdraw from, from the Super League. Chelsea followed, and then the other four all came at once. Liverpool, United, Arsenal, and Spurs. Arsenal, the only one that actually apologised for going into it at the time. The rest just said, no, we're not we're not in it anymore. Now, this has obviously led to, you know, lots of patting on the back, uh, lots of, you know, integrity. Lots of moral high ground standing. And it's all nonsense. Frankly, it is all nonsense. Um, we're, it's a victory for the status quo. It's not a victory for fans. People are saying, oh, the, the good." someone from Sky said, the good guys won. Sky, UEFA, the Premier League, and BT Sport. That's not the good guys. In no way is that the good guys. But they're the guys that want you to think they're the good guys. It's a victory for the status quo. In fact, it's worse than that. Because on Monday, reforms to Champions League were announced. And we'll come to that. But Inter Milan have now followed suit. I think Atletico Madrid look like they're out as well. So it is just sort of Barca and Real, I think, are the only ones left standing. I think Juve and and Milan, as we speak now, are, are, are both out as well. But look, I, I wasn't... I, I'm getting some criticism on Twitter. That's fine. I don't, I don't really care. 
uh, for not being completely against it because it's rotten to the core. Nonsense. Nonsense. Why wouldn't I be open-minded about this? Football is broken in the UK. The Premier League is a closed shop anyway. And people can say, well, look at Leicester and look at West Ham. Why are they in the position they're in? They're in the position they're in far more for how badly Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool and Chelsea have managed this season than their own good work. If Liverpool were even having an average season, they'd be top four. Same for Chelsea. Chelsea are top four now anyway. Liverpool are only two points off. Liverpool and Chelsea may well, and most likely will, end up in the top four. And then your top four for the season will be Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea and Liverpool. It's already a closed shop. I went through it on Monday. Look at who's won it. Look at who's finished top three. It's always the power clubs. Always is. Same in the Champions League. The closed shop nature of the Super League wasn't something I was in favour of. I, I was open to listening to what they had to say because there was enough suggested, now actually suggested, including in included in their documentation, there was enough suggested to say this is something worth looking at. Wage reform, wage caps, spending limits, limits on age and fees, more money for women's football, academy reform. This was an opportunity to tackle some of these issues. This was an opportunity to tackle ticket prices, TV subscription prices. Because when there's an alternative, you have a position of power. When you say, okay, well, we don't particularly like what you're offering us. We've got somebody else over here offering us something different. You have a position of power. When you allow Sky and BT to sway your view, which is what happened, when you allow Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher to set the agenda on behalf of their paymasters and you blow away the alternative, you have no position of strength. We're stuck with what we had before, but worse. Because the Champions League is going to get worse. It's going to become more of a closed shop than it already is. Not as much as the proposed Super League, but close. Because people bought into the lies and the hysteria. Things that weren't real. Oh, they're going to, they're going to move your club. They're going to rename your club. They're going to charge you 100 quid a game. They're going to play all the games overseas. None of that was based in reality. None of that was even suggested by those behind this venture. What they did suggest was a salary cap, spending limits, limits on agents fees, academy reform, more money for women's football. Those are things they did suggest. And everybody ignored them. Because Sky and BT told you they were going to take your club and move it. Because people with vested interests 
in those monopolies. People who get a little bit of cash on the side to go and appear on them and talk about whatever field they pretend they're an expert in told you they're going to take away your club. They never suggested they were. They never, ever suggested that. It wasn't an ideal situation at all, having a closed shop, but it was an alternative to use to bring Sky and BT and UEFA and the Premier League to the table and discuss reform, discuss giving some of the game back to the fans. Because the Super League weren't taking football away from the fans. The Premier League and Sky took football away from the fans 30 years ago. And everybody's now doubled down on that. They're the good guys. They're the heroes. Chelsea and Manchester City were being held up last night as the heroes. They were just as implicit as the rest. And they're the two teams that caused... Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal to, or sorry Spurs and Arsenal to want to push for it they're the two clubs that caused that because they're the two clubs that did the most towards breaking how we spend money in football on transfer fees on wages, on agents fees they're the ones that did it now they're the, now they're the good guys what are we doing? what have we done? we've accepted the status quo again and when Sky put your prices up next year, when BT put your prices up, you don't have a leg to stand on. None of us do. Can't complain about it because we never took the time to stop and actually think, well, what can we get out of this? What can we work from this conflict? How can this benefit the fans? No, none of that happened. None of that happened. And now it's, okay, well, now that battle's won. Now we need to do this, this, and this. You've no leverage. You've no leverage. Sky and BT aren't coming back to the table if there's no leverage, if there's no no threat to them. UEFA and the Premier League aren't going to be open to any kind of discussion that's meaningful without leverage against them. The Super League wasn't the solution, but it wasn't this evil entity that you're making it out to be. It really wasn't. Was it a good thing for football? No, probably not, but it could have been used as a vehicle for change. It was an opportunity for change, an opportunity to take aspects of it and say, well, we look, we don't want the clothes shop, but this, 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 and this, these are things we want. So now, UEFA, can you give us this, 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 and this? The Premier League, will you give us these things? Will you reduce our match tickets? Sky, BT, will you reduce your fees? No, they won't. They might have done if there was an alternative product out there for them. But now they're back to having a monopoly on things. And the fans get nothing from this. You know who did get stuff from this, though? The, the clubs that went for the Super League. They just walked back in as if nothing happened. They're allegedly going to get quite a bit of money from UEFA. 
Oh, and they also got Champions League reform that favoured them. How about that? There can be no doubt that the Super League was bungled. There's there's no question about that. They it's not like they they did it brilliantly. Now there's two schools of thought on this. One is that it got leaked, so they were sort of forced to rush it. Spoke on Monday and Tuesday about how you know things like the website and their comms were really amateurous, really poor, looked kind of like something someone had done as a 14-year-old for a school project. Set up your own football league and run it for a week. That's kind of what the school project was. You know, like the artwork was poor, the graphics were, were poor, the wording of stuff was poor. So either... They had planned for it to come out in the summer and they leaked it. And sorry, and it got leaked and then they had to kind of scramble. Or they used it as a negotiating tool. Now, people have said, oh, but they were all in. Well, were they? Were they really? Had they made any kind of financial commitment to it? If they can walk away this easy, were they really all in on it? One of the other lies told about it, by the way, that it was to start this this coming year and that the Champions League was therefore worthless, that it didn't make a difference if Liverpool or Tottenham or Chelsea finished top four. But again, that wasn't based in any reality. I saw someone yesterday say, oh, look, Spurs sacked Mourinho because they thought the Champions League wouldn't matter for next season. There was no suggestion at all that it was to start this year. All they said was as soon as possible. They copyrighted the Super League 2021 because that's the year they created it. Nothing more than that. So that was a lie as well. And when you see the amount of lies and you see what people bought into, you kind of see why things are the way they are. But the alternative is that they used it as a negotiating tool, that it was a bit of a power play, but it was also a bit of a distraction. Because let's look at the timeline of events. Unpopular Champions League reforms are due to come out. So on a Sunday, a Sunday, in the middle of a game, it starts to leak. And at 11.30 that night, a very hastily put together statement gets shared by 12 clubs. And everybody goes bananas. Monday morning, everybody's still going bananas. The Champions League reforms drop. And no one notices. And as the day carries on, a few people start to notice the Champions League reforms and say, oh, hang on, these aren't, these aren't good. And then Florentino Perez gives a, an interview hastily arranged interview. And everybody goes bananas again and forgets about the uh, the Champions League reforms. And then on Tuesday, it just falls apart and drops. It's a little bit suspect. 
that that aspect is a little bit suspect. Maybe we maybe this was never a real a real thing. Maybe it wasn't a real thing. It is hard to understand how a dozen of the world's biggest clubs, led by very very smart people, could get together and have something so amateurish in terms of the presentation, the announcements, things like that. So what we get is we get the status quo, which most of them are happy enough with anyway. And we get this worst version of the Champions League. So the UEFA Executive Committee approved a new format for its club competitions as of the 24-25 season. So this is in place. This is going to happen. It expands the Champions League to 36 teams who will form a single group. No more group stages. One big league with 36 teams in it. Each team will play a total of 10 games home and away with the top eight then automatically qualifying for the last 16. And those finishing between 9th and 24th to compete in two-legged playoffs ties to see who else makes the knockout stage. So 9th would play 24th, 10th would play 23rd, etc. And then you would imagine that, you know, the winner of 9th versus 20, uh, 24th plays the team that finished first or whatever in the, in the quarterfinals. It, it's it's bizarre. Teams that finish lower than 24th will exit uh, the European competition completely. There'll be no more backdoor into the Europa League, which will slim down the Europa League a little bit. Um, there are more places for the big leagues, more guaranteed places. There are seats at the table for teams that have a higher coefficient, so... For example, if Liverpool were to finish below West Ham, Liverpool could get in over West Ham based on their coefficient. Um, yeah. It sounds awful. It really does sound awful. But this is what we get. <laughs> this is what we get. This is what was... Uh, what was put through while everybody was focused on something else. Now, like I say, it may well be that the whole Super League thing was just to take attention off this. I don't think it was. I do think there was intention there. But I think the Super League, the the opportunity lost is far bigger than the victory gained. So what happens next is the question. Ed Woodward has resigned. It's been put down that he's resigned over the Super League. Ed Woodward was planning to leave anyway. Ed Woodward's departure from Manchester United had been pretty much well known for months now. He was due to leave this summer. Now he's leaving at the end of the year. So he's actually delaying his departure by about six months. His departure likely has nothing to do with the Super League at all. But it's a nice distraction. 
it's a nice way to take the heat off the Glazers, isn't it? Liverpool's initial statement drew plenty of criticism. Um, John Henry has come out today in a, in a video statement and apologised. There's been very little from the owners of Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea or Tottenham. Lots of people are saying these owners need to go. Jamie Carragher says there's no future for FSG at Liverpool. Make them go. Try. Go on. I dare you. Let's see how that works out for you. Go ahead, Mr. Carragher. You pushed him out the door. Let's see. Go on. Use, use your platform now. Oh, but you won't, though, will you? Because your paycheck's not at risk anymore. You'll say big words and then you'll forget about it in a few weeks and you hope we all will too. So the problem is there's no way to force these owners out. There just isn't. Manchester United fans have been trying to push the Glazers out for years. They've been entrenched at Old Trafford for 16 years. They haven't budged. They're unlikely to budge. Liverpool's old owners, Hicks and Gillette, the ones that Carragher took the contract off, having said nothing bad about them while they ran the club into, into the ground, took a contract off them before administration, but he wants you to know he's the good guy. Liverpool fans protested for years against them. Campaigns were organised, marches, the whole lot. A lot of people put a lot of hours into trying to get F to trying to get Hicks and Gillette out, and you know what it accomplished? Nothing. It was the banks that got them out. Otherwise, they'd still be there. And FSG have far more interest and far more invested in the club than those two did. But the banks got them out, not the fans. As great as some of the work the fans did was, there was no vehicle to get them out. There's no mechanism to remove these people. The only way they go is if it's financially unviable. And it's not going to become financially unviable. Because you can boycott the seats, but to do that, you have to either give up your season ticket, and nobody's going to do that, because if you do, you'll just be replaced. Somebody else will, will take your, your seat. Or you can not go to the games, in which case you're still lining their pockets. You're still paying for your seat. So they win either way. Someone told me a few years ago that the Glazers' motto regarding the fans is, there's always someone else. As in, if you give up your seat, there's always someone else waiting to take it. The waiting list for tickets at Anfield is years and years and years long. So there will always be someone else. That is just an unfortunate fact of this. There is no mechanism to force these owners out. Arsenal fans have tried with Kroenke. United fans have tried endlessly with the Glazers. United fans went and set up a new football club. It made no difference. They didn't blink. 
And John Henry's statement made it quite clear. They're going nowhere. We still have work to do. They're going nowhere. There's no mechanism to remove them. And as much as we might like to think that the fans can get them out, they can't. Look at Bury. The guy who ran them into the ground and caused them to be expelled from the Football League still owns the club. Now, they've set up an alternative club. But he still owns Bury. Like, there's just nowhere. Look at Hull. Look how much those fans hate that owner. He's still there. And on and on and round and round. These people will still own the club. And unfortunately, it is better the devil you know in that regard. Because, let's be honest, who's going to buy Liverpool, Manchester United or Arsenal? Who's got the money to do it? Very few people. You're talking probably, I would say, four billion. Four billion pounds for Manchester United. Probably about three billion for Liverpool, maybe two billion for Arsenal. Maybe even a little bit more for Arsenal because of London. But it's a very short list of people who can afford to buy those clubs. And those that can are likely the type that own Chelsea and Manchester City, the type that you have railed against for a decade or more uh, and accused of ruining football. So do you, do you now want one of those? Or you could get you know, the Chinese Sovereign Wealth Fund and the issues that come with them. There was rumours a few years ago that they were considering buying one of England's big three, one of the three big red teams, because they liked the idea of having a team that played in red and they were going to change the stadium to the Air China Stadium and things of this nature. Now, if 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 Fenway Sports Group, who had at times built up quite a bit of goodwill with Liverpool fans, you know, for winning things like a Champions League and a Premier League and bringing Jurgen Klopp to the club and the players that are there, uh, if they've been afraid to rename Anfield because they didn't want the backlash... That tells you how unpopular that idea would be. But you think the Chinese Sovereign Wealth Fund would care if if the fans didn't like it? Now, there are people that could try and move your club. Them, them boys won't care. They'll take your club and put it wherever they want. But the, the unfortunate fact is we can say we want this and we want that and we want reform. We had an opportunity to try and force reform and it got blown away because too many people listened to the people that took the game from us anyway. So, I, I just don't see that there's any mechanism to get rid of these owners. There's What's the alternative? Like, who are the alternatives? And of course, people want to say fan ownership. That's the way forward. Fan ownership. Right. Two major leagues in Europe have had fan ownership in the last 30 years. The Bundesliga had it originally. Pre-1998, all Bundesliga clubs were member-owned, fan-owned, not-for-profit organizations. And almost every one of them went bankrupt or on the verge of bankruptcy, which is why they changed the rule in 1998. So we'll come back to that. The Bundesliga is a great example of things, and that's fine. We'll, put, we'll park that for a sec. La Liga, member-owned, 
Real Madrid about a billion quid in debt. Barcelona over a billion quid in debt. Atletico Madrid are privately owned, but a bit of a mess at the same time financially. And if you look at the finances of the rest of the big clubs in La Liga, it's not a great situation. So back to the Bundesliga. In 1998, they went to the 50 plus one rule. But remember, they didn't... The Premier League is privately owned clubs. And what people now want is the fans to buy into those clubs. And they say, well, it's the same as the 50 plus one. No, it's not. Because remember, the 50 plus one wasn't fans buying into the club. It was fans selling the club to private interest. It was the fans welcoming in new money because all the clubs were being run into the ground. Now, there's still a couple of clubs that are entirely fan-owned. One of them is Schalke, about to get relegated in a financial mess, have been for years. Okay? So the idea of 50 plus 1 isn't feasible because the fans don't own the club now. And the owners have no reason to sell 50 plus 1% of their club to the fans. Now, there are exceptions to the fan ownership rule in Germany. And they're not all fan. They're not all 50 plus 1. There are a couple of others. But in this era of 50 plus 1, what has it created? A monopoly. This is the 23rd season of the 50 plus 1 era. Bayern Munich have won 16 league titles in that time. 16. Five clubs have won the league. Only two have won it more than once. Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund have won it five times. And by the way, sorry, they've won it three times in the in the 20 plus one, the 50 plus one era. And by the way, the, the first time they did that, they almost went bankrupt again because of it. And Bayern had to bail them out. That 0-1-0-2 Dortmund team almost ruined the club because they spent so much money on it. And Bayern had to bail them out. The Bundesliga is the most uneven playing field in Europe. Bayern have won 16 of 23. They're about to win 16, sorry, 17 of 24. They're about to win their ninth title in a row. And what of the other clubs that have won it? Well, there's Dortmund, you know, Jurgen Klopp. We know that tale. Wolfsburg, who aren't a 50 plus one club. Stuttgart. Years of financial problems after it. Werder Bremen. Years of financial problems. And then that Dortmund team that almost bankrupted them. So to compete with Bayern, you either have to be privately owned like Wolfsburg, and that was one season, or, or you have to nearly bankrupt yourself. And then what are the other clubs that have, you know, challenged Bayern and tried to take it from them. Well, Leverkusen, who finished second four times, they're privately owned. They're not a 50-plus-one team. 
Schalke four times. Oh, well, they're going bankrupt. They're in major financial trouble. Wolfsburg finished second, again, privately owned. Dortmund, five-time runner-up. Or Leipzig, who again aren't 50 plus one club. So, the idea that 50 plus one is, a, like, it's an admirable idea, but it's not a realistic idea. You, you want to create a closed shop, go 50 plus one. Because Bayern have double the amount of members of any other club who are 50 plus one. Bayern have an even playing ground for the TV money, for the most part. But the difference is they make over $250 million more than anyone else commercially because of how many members they, are, they have, because of the popularity of the club. So what that means, if you translate it to England, is if we could fi figure out a way to convince the current owners to sell up half of their club United and Liverpool would have by far the most members United and Liverpool would make by far the most money commercially and United and Liverpool would dominate the league and it's not even United and Liverpool it's United then a gap then Liverpool then a gap then Arsenal, Chelsea, City then another gap, then Spurs, Everton, Villa, uh, Arsenal. And then, to quote Billy Bean, then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's everybody else. Because what you're going to do is you're going to create an even more unfair playing field than we currently have. That's what 50 plus one will do to English football. And as I said, it didn't go from privately owned to mostly fan owned. It went from entirely fan owned and failing to welcoming in big business, big investors to save the league. So if you want to talk about it, you want to say it's easy, at least please look into it and see how it came about why it came about. It came about because the league was failing, because clubs were going bust. How it came about was members, fans selling their stakes to private equity. It didn't come about the way you want it to come about. It can't come about that way. And it's created an unfair playing field. In the 23 years before the 50 plus one rule, nine different teams won the Bundesliga. Nobody won it more than three in a row. Bayern only won nine of them. They've won 16 since, about to be 17. So if that's what you want, figure out how to make it happen. And remember that your club, if it gets left behind, it's left behind because of those reasons. It's left behind because they don't have the membership. Because they can't push money in privately. They can't pump up your finances. It's such a bizarre idea. 
that this could work in England. There's no mechanism to get rid of the current owners. And all it's going to do is create an, un an unfair playing field. So Schalke, who are entirely fan-owned, have 155,000 members. Okay? Bayern, who are 50 plus 1, have 350,000. 293,000 of them are official members. They have 5,000 officially registered fan clubs. Like, all it's going to do is make the most popular clubs the top clubs. And if you're a Liverpool and United fan, that's probably great. But isn't this all meant to be about creating an, a fair playing field? Not allowing a closed shop? Isn't that what this whole thing is about? If you want to know why Bayern didn't jump at the Super League, it's because they're guaranteed Champions League football every year anyway. But they would have been in. 100%. If it had gone ahead, they would have been in. Because Rummenigge was one of the, the people behind it for years. He's just a bit smarter than the rest. So 50 plus 1 isn't an option. Fan ownership only leads to clubs going bankrupt. Now, it's fine in lower leagues. You can have fan-owned clubs in lower leagues, absolutely. But they'll still lose money. They will still lose money. And eventually, they will have to seek outside investment. I mean, you could go the Swedish model, where nobody's competitive. You could do that. But unfortunately, the ownership situation that English clubs have right now is about the best of any league in Europe. It's just how it is. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll go through the news. Right, welcome back. Um, there's not actually a whole bunch of news today. There is just the gossip, really. Um Valencia have been linked with the Portuguese manager, Jose Mourinho, who has obviously been sacked recently by Spurs, with club owner Peter Lim, that, that great man who's you know besties with Gary Neville, the, the bastion of integrity, the leader of the charge, the good guy. Um, he's ready to dismiss his current manager, uh, Javi Gracia. Now, it should be noted, Gracia has tried to quit multiple times this season, and been told that to do so is a breach of contract for which he will have to pay millions of euro. So Peter Lim is holding this man hostage in a job he doesn't want. That, think about that for a second. This man wants to quit his job and has been told if you try to, you'll have to pay us three million. And his bestie is the guy that's the, the good guy. I swear. I swear. Mourinho's not taking that job. The club's an absolute train wreck. Um, Leicester manager Brendan Rodgers has dismissed links to the vacancy at Tottenham. Ask him again in the summer. Daniel Levy feared as many as 10 players would quit this summer if he did not sack Mourinho. 
he was worried about Kane, Delhi Ali. Delhi was definitely the one that was going to leave. Harry, I don't know. Um, as well as Gareth Bale. Who cares what Gareth Bale wants to do? Who cares? You're paying him a fortune. He doesn't care about football. Let him go, for God's sake. Barcelona have offered Manchester City striker Sergio Aguero a two-year contract. The Argentine forward is available on a free transfer when his contract at the Etihad expires in the summer. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I think he's going to go there. I think Barca will keep Messi. I think that's part of the plan to keep Messi. Aston Villa could move from Manchester United and England midfielder Jesse Lingard in the summer. Uh, he's also wanted on a permanent basis by West Ham. He would be an interesting fit at Villa playing off ball with Grealish, obviously, as the main playmaker if they were to stick with a 4-3-3 or even a diamond. Grealish on ball, Lingard off ball using his, his running. That would be that would be a good mix. Like Barkley was working really well in that type of role, but he's obviously been dreadful since coming back from the injury. So... I mean, Lingard would make sense. He's at 28. Hmm. When's he 29 is the question. Because for Villa, I kind of see them as building a long-term project. He's not 29 until December. Interesting. I He would be a decent fit at Villa. He definitely would. Liverpool want 10 million euro from Porto to make the, sign, the, the signing of Marco Gruyic permanent. Um... That is substantially down on what they were looking for last summer. I would imagine they're probably still looking for a bit more than that. Uh, David Alaba has agreed to join Real Madrid on a five-year contract this summer. Um, interesting. That's been linked, obviously. That's been rumoured for a while. Been stated for a while. And this is from Sky Sports Germany, who are generally a bit trash. Um, but they do have some good reporters there. Interesting. It also interesting that it comes out as the Super League is, is kind of ongoing. Because it came out yesterday, obviously. Um, but none of the players want to play in it, apparently. Uh, speaking of that, actually, just credit to the Liverpool players who did release a statement uh, about, you know, we don't want it, we hope it doesn't happen. But let's remember, none of them said they wouldn't play in it. So, you know... And it is easy to make a statement when the club have already made the decision to back out of it. Don't give them too much praise. But yeah, credit credit to Henderson for being the one to put that together and, and come out with it. Um, but again, like the players would have played in it. So you can say that the players don't want it. They would have played in it. Uh, they didn't want the Champions League. They didn't want the Premier League. They still played in them. They still ended up loving them. The players talk now about how they grew up wanting to play in the Premier League. And the... Uh, the Champions League, well, their fathers grew up wanting to play in the first division and the European Cup. Football changes. Um, Marseille defender Duja Coletta Carr is hopeful Liverpool rekindled their interest in him. Now his club are open to letting him leave. They they very mo most likely won't. Um, the interest in him was, was kind of fleeting anyway. Quebec was the long-term target. Canate is the long-term target. They're the two it looks like they're going to bring in. So um, I, I would imagine he, he will have to go elsewhere. Newcastle are interested in Benfica's 21-year-old Portuguese fullback, Nuno Tavares. He's very talented. Um, not sure he's... 
I don't know about him in the Premier League. He's a good player. I do think he'd be more of a wing-back in the Premier League. Um, I mean, they bought a left-back last summer in Jamal Lewis. Now, it could be that Lewis is already asking to go. So, that's possible. They could play Tavares as a left-winger. He could definitely play as a left-winger. He's a very talented young player. Uh, West Brom are determined to keep in-demand goalkeeper Sam Johnson at the Hawthorns. Manchester United and West Ham are interested. Now, he would make sense for West Ham. I don't think he's great. I think they could do better. But West Ham do need to get a bit younger in goal. Fabianski's error prone. He always has been better this season. But we saw what happened uh, against Newcastle the weekend. I would have a very hard time believing that Manchester United would be interested in bringing... Sam Johnston back to the club. He obviously came through their academy, um, was sent on seven different loans before being sold to West Brom. I don't for one second believe that United... Now, unless he was going to go there and be back up to Henderson or back up to De Gea, I just don't believe that. I think that might be his agent. Um, Arsenal are in advanced talks with Brighton about making Matt Ryan's loan stay a permanent one. Should point out, Matt, Matt Ryan played a big part in the Arsenal goal at the weekend. Um, it makes sense for them to keep hold of him. He is better than the other backup goalkeepers that they've had uh, this season, like, you know, um, runner Alex Runnerson, who might have been the worst goalkeeper the Premier League has seen. Matt Ryan's a good goalkeeper who'd fallen off a cliff with Brighton. If Arsenal can get a bit more out of him, I still think Arsenal need a better starting goalkeeper if they really want to have top four ambition. But they're going to have to do things on a tight budget, especially now. So, you know, that is that. Paris Saint-Germain striker Kylian Mbappe has started house hunting in Madrid. The France forward is yet to agree a contract extension with PSG and has long been identified as Real Madrid's top summer target. Uh, I think if we've learned anything the last week, it's that Real Madrid don't have the money to buy Kylian Mbappe. Um, Besiktas are considering selling 26-year-old Canadian forward Kyle Lahren who has attracted interest from West Ham and Everton. So Kyle Lahren's an interesting one. He, he became well-known playing for Orlando City. And he was very, very good. Really, really good. He, he had three seasons there, 17 and 27, 14 and 24, 12 in 28. Forced a move to Besiktas. Forced it. Outright forced, it was, you know, wasn't the most professional in his behavior. Had two dreadful seasons with them. Sorry, that's that's not right. He had one dreadful season with them. He came in at the end of the season and he started quite well. But his first season with them, he was just a train wreck. Then they loaned him out to uh, to Belgium, to Waregem. Waregem? Loaned them to them. Didn't do well there either. This season, he has done really well for Besiktas. Like, really, really well. And it makes me wonder if they would really consider selling him. Because they're on the verge of winning um, the Turkish Super League. They're three points clear with four games left. Um, they've got a better team than Fenerbahce. They're a stronger group. He has been very, very good for them. He's their top scorer. It would make me have pause for thought to think that they would get rid of him. He's got 15 in the league, 19 in all competitions. Him and Abubakar have been 
just a really good partnership up front. I don't know that they would they would sell him. He is super talented. His attitude might not be the best. There's been some rumors about how he behaved when he first went to Besiktas when he wasn't in the team in that in that first full season. And then when he was uh, sent on loan, that he maybe wasn't the most professional. Um, and obviously there was the issues where he just refused to start, you know, to turn up for work at, at Orlando City. Um, I don't know. It's probably worth the gamble. It probably is worth the gamble. West Ham and Everton are the team's links. West Ham would make more sense for him than Everton. Everton only play with one up front. I think West Ham would be more likely to play with two up front with Moyes. If I was him, I'd stay put. If I was him, I'd probably stay put another year. Do it for the year there, and you might even get a bigger move. Um, that's it. That is the gossip for today. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot going on now that Super League is over. We have to find something else to keep us amused. There are the two games tonight. Look, like I said, I I, I, I understand that lots of people were against the Super League, and I, and I understand why. But... A lot of the stuff that you thought you were against weren't real. They were lies. They were not based on any reality. Um, the real reasons to be against it were obvious. And, and those were, you know, mostly why people were against it. Most people were smart enough to see that, you know. like. But a lot of people did just sort of jump on and go, oh, they're going to take our clubs away. They weren't going to do that. They were never going to do that. Um, but it is a, it's a massive... Like, the thing for me, what, what's annoyed and frustrated me all week is is that we're, we, we were being fed such nonsense and, and the people that were the bad guys to begin with, they were the ones presenting themselves as like these you know, beacons of hope, virtue signal, signalers. When you're the ones that took the game away in the first place and they've now driven away this alternative because... They know, like I was saying earlier, like when there's an alternative, people have choice. And when people have choice, they have leverage. Now we have no choice. We have no leverage. That's it. We have no leverage. Um, I want to end on this. You'll have noted that there's a certain outlet who more than anybody I just sorry does it Brendan Rodgers claiming that his work in Chelsea's form has sped up the ESL talks our job is to disrupt the market I've always I always said what defines the top six clearly it was money and I tried to disrupt that in the pitch didn't you work for Liverpool you sanctimonious little man um there's a certain outlet where the journalists have been more outspoken than others about the, the, the evilness of the European Super League. How this idea that just taking away competition goes against everything they believe in. I want to read you a quote. We will wait every local paper out and let them continuously bleed until we're the last one standing. We will suck them dry of their best talent at every moment. We will make business extremely difficult for them. Alex Mather, co-founder of The Athletic. 
I'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye. Podcast Network.